It's a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. And today we're talking to IFC's The Birthday Boys. So it's a bonus episode on a Tuesday. We don't usually, we record on Sundays, but you guys are getting a bonus episode on a Tuesday. And you know, usually on my Tuesdays, I'm not recording. Um, I'm out doing charity work. Uh, I do charity work at an old folks home. It's, I, I sing karaoke songs to the elderly. It's just something that I do, uh, in my part time. I sing it in the style of White Snake. And, uh, yeah, it's a plug. <laughs> uh, it's called, uh, White Snake for White Hairs. Um, I really get into it and so do the older people. They love it. You know, Tawny Contain, uh, you know, the, the hot chick from the White Snake videos, she's there. She's not doing anything these days. So she joins me and she hand, hands out, uh, white rubber snakes to all the residents and they love it. They get a kick out of it. I, I don't think they remember it week to week, some of them, but I mean, they love it when we're there. Um, it's not really karaoke. We call it sharioke because that's what we're doing. We're sharing. But today we're joined by Tim Kalpakis. Jefferson Dutton and Chris Von Artsdalen of IFC's The Birthday Boys, which is on Friday nights at 11.30 Eastern, 10.30 Central. It follows Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, we talk about the second season of the show that is produced by both Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul himself, and Ben Stiller. We talk about what viewers can expect from the second season of The Birthday Boys and just get to know a little bit more about these amazing comedians. There's seven total Jefferson Dutton, Dave Ferguson, Mike Mitchell, Mike Hanford, Tim Kalpakis, Matt Kowalik, and Chris Von Artsdalen. And we talked to Jeff, Tim, and Chris. If you love the guys as much as we do, then follow them on Twitter at The Birthday Boys, like their Facebook page, and check out their stuff on ifc.com and their page, thebirthdayboys.com. If you like our show, follow us on Twitter at PC leftovers uh like our facebook page go to popcultureleftovers.com send us an email comments at popcultureleftovers.com uh we'd love to hear from you so without further ado ifc's the birthday boys bonus episode the birthday boys there's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Brian. Hey. hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, we're great. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. Okay. We, oh, we've got Jeff. We thought we were getting Tim, Mike, and Chris. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. wow. This changes everything up. <laughs> yeah, we, we really wanted to throw you a curveball. Um, and there's really no crossover between Jeff's knowledge and uh, Mike's <laughs> knowledge. They're completely separate. Okay. All right. You know, I, this just, th- yeah, this throws everything off. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, palms are sweaty now. So. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of just childhood questions from Mike Hanford. <laughs> Tim, Chris, and so Mike's gone. Right. Okay. No Mike. No right. Mike. That's fine. That's fine. I'm kidding. We were, ho- we were, <laughs> we were, <laughs> You can ask me any anything about my parents, Bo and Janet Hanford. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can be Mike. 
<laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I watched the uh, what was it the uh, the Pretty Daddy sketch, and so I had tons to talk to Mike about. Um, well, you're in luck because uh, I didn't know that Mike was in that one. <laughs> uh, really? There's two mics. We call uh, Mike Hanford Mike, and then we call Mike Mitchell Mitch a lot. So there's some confusion going on. Ah, All right. okay. Uh, Gotcha. Well, we we yeah, we we, uh, we are intimately familiar with uh, every move uh, Mitch had to make on that sketch. Uh, we were all there for it. We all wrote it, and we all saw the nitty gritty. Okay, amazing. Well, I'm in that dress. Awesome. So, I mean, guys, we can just jump right in. I mean, I'm totally cool. I'm down with it. Unless you had anything you wanted to let us know before we jump into this. Uh, no, we're ready to go. No way, man. Far away. Awesome. Okay, I'm joined by uh, Frank. He's my co-host today. So it'll be me. I'm Brian, and this is Frank. So Hi, guys. Hey, hey Frank. All right, guys. I, I mean, I was really excited for this call. Um, I mean, I felt I felt like an awkward teen girl in a John Hughes movie. I'm, like, waiting for the captain of the football team to call us. And I'm like, is he going to call? Is he not going to call? And then we got the call, and, like, I'm all nervous. Like, should I wait three rings? Do I want to seem too anxious? But the call came in. Now we're talking. And uh, you guys are putting me at ease. So um, we're here to talk about the birthday boys. Yeah, great. We're, we're excited to be talking to you, too. And I will say that I think you waited the perfect number of rings before answering because we do think that it's a little pathetic and eager uh, to answer after one ring. Yeah, I don't want to come off like that guy. I, uh, th- you know what I mean? I, I don't want to be that clingy stage eight clinger. <laughs> well, like if it wasn't for voicemail, I would let it go twenty or thirty rings to let people feel like they're really lucky when I answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> do Do you have a rule when it comes to like you know I don't know you meet somebody new you know you meet a new woman or whatever and do you have like do you have like a three day five day waiting rule or do you just like jump right into it? Oh, I don't think I have the luxury of waiting whatsoever. I I, uh, <laughs> I don't think I would wait one day. That sounds dangerous. I'm not sure if any of the birthday boys have ever met a woman or called a woman. This is kind of outside of our area of expertise. Uh, this is our first phone call. Okay. Oh, right. oh wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, because me personally, I'm more like John Favreau and swingers. I just keep calling them and calling them and calling them until finally they tell me to stop calling them. Hey, it worked for him, right? He ended up with Heather Graham. Oh, yeah, it totally did. It totally did. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Um, guys, so the first season of The Birthday Boys is now on Netflix. That's huge. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Stream away. Stream away. Yeah, that's, that's our slogan. Stream, stream away, we say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great cool. because people that didn't, like, jump on the bandwagon the first season can now get caught up. And, you know, it's – well, it's not like they really need to, but they should because there's some great stuff in that first season. But it's not like it's continuity. It's not like they're watching The Walking Dead. You can jump right in, and I think that's what's great about your show. Jump right in is another thing we've said a lot. You can watch them in anywhere you want, folks. I like how you said jump on the bandwagon of the first season as if, like, thousands of people were watching the show. It was really more of, like, a small cart, like, uh, not so much a wagon as something smaller than a wagon. Yeah, we had just one big viewer last year. <laughs> are, you, are you guys, so it's not even a, a wagon, it's more like a rickshaw at this point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jump in the back of our rickshaw, and we'll pull you around. Okay, which of the birthday boys is going to pull us around on the rickshaw? i got to know this. Um, I, I, that's got to be Mitch, right? He's yeah. Be, he'd be the strongest. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so where are you, where are you, all you guys from originally? I know, I know I've done a little bit of research um, as far as, like, you guys all met in college. Ithaca, 
But where are you guys all from originally? Um, well, I'm from Woodstock, New York. Uh, I, Jeff, am from uh, New Hampshire, southern New Hampshire. And this is Chris. I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So, And then the, most of the other guys are all also just uh, scattered in the northeast, Massachusetts, western New York. Dave's from Ohio. Um, but I do think uh, it was, yeah, we went to Ithaca College, and we weren't a sketch group there. We were just like a bunch of uh, friends hanging around eating, uh, you know, uh, pizzas from Rogan's, uh, Sammy's Pizza, Gino's Pizza. Wings over Ithaca, <laughs> deepy dough, yeah. Um, and then w- after college, we moved to L.A. and started taking classes at the UCB Theater, and that's when we started a sketch group. Uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, that's that's amazing. I, I love uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. was a big fan of their Comedy Central stuff, and a lot of great talent has come out of Upright Citizens Brigade. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's been amazing we um we were able to get in there i guess it was 2006 when we started taking classes and it was just before the la theater at least blew up as big as the new york theater was so we were able to you know take classes face to face with matt besser and uh, we were able to get a lot of stage time early on these days it's uh, a worldwide phenomenon with people beating down the door to get in yeah it was re- we were lucky to get in when we did because i think if we started now uh there's no way we would get any stage time. I mean, everyone there is so much better than us. <laughs> we, yeah, we'd be, be the very worst. It'd be tough. It'd be tough. You were the pioneers. You were the pioneers. So that's awesome. On the ground floor. We knew it at the time. We dressed in, like, pioneer outfits. <laughs> sort of, and we thought it was, like, a cool, it was a cool thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, are you guys living in L.A. right now? I mean, is, is, is that where you're stationed? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, palm trees and sunshine. We like to. Um, we were all, when we moved out here, we were all crammed into a, a big, stupid house um, in, like, the back end of Hollywood Hills in the, towards the valley, and we were there for years and years, and then more recently, uh, we moved out and into apartments, and we're all, like, on the same block within walking distance of each other now. And then, uh, it's a great setup, though, because we're talking to you now from absolutely uh, stu- uh, productions in, uh, in Glendale. Tim and Eric have a, a comedy company out here. And we've been editing our show there. Um, Are you talking about Absolutely Productions? That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of Tim and Eric, which Tim and Eric, um, I mean, I can see a lot of your comedy in there because, like, their comedy is so unexpected. Like, it doesn't matter what sketch they start off with. You never know where it's going to go. And I see a lot of that in The Birthday Boys, and I love that. Yeah, I mean, we are, we're the hugest Tim and Eric fans, um, and it's, they've done so much with sketch comedy that it's like hard to not rip them off. So we're, so we're very influenced by them. And then when we're writing and then performing and uh, editing in every step of the process, we remind each other like, Hey, are we kind of, is this a Tim and Eric thing? Let's try to steer clear because they've, everything they've done, they, they've perfected and we want to try to carve out something different. That's yeah, true. I actually had them as guest, uh, had guests on the show this year, which was pretty great. They they stopped in to do uh, a role, um, which was hilarious. Oh, that's awesome! I can't wait to see that episode. Um, yeah, because I mean, well, I mean, Tim and Eric they were uh, products of Bob Odenkirk as well. Am I correct? Yeah, he <laughs> they had uh, mailed Bob a DVD of their early stuff that they were doing in Pennsylvania, and he he gets that kind of thing a lot. And never really watches DVDs or even opens packages, but. They, as a joke, they sent along an invoice and charged Bob $20 for the DNT. <laughs> That's great. Um, and that joke alone, and also they included some headshots and they charged $5 for the headshots. And stuff. 
Um, <laughs> and that was enough to make Bob laugh, so he popped in the DVD and then just like fell in love with their sketches. Oh, that's awesome. See, I see it. Like, in your comedy, I do see a lot of inspiration from like Tim and Eric. And then on the flip side, like, we're talking about Bob Odenkirk. And uh, I grew up, I remember like as a 14 year old boy, I, I did two things. I spent a lot of time in my bathroom alone. And then the other thing that I did was I watched a lot of sketch comedy, and one of those shows was um, the Ben Stiller show, which featured him, Ben Stiller, you know, Janine Garofalo, Andy Dick, and I mean, I can see a lot of influence of them, and a lot of influence of Tim and Eric in your comedy. And I think, I think honestly, I just think you're paying the highest compliment. And then, like, you're also taking bits of you in each of these sketches and it's it's an amazing culmination of all this talent you're like the love child of all of these wonderful comedians <laughs> oh thanks oh thanks the, the uh we're we love all those shows and it's it's kind of a thing that happens uh naturally when you're writing sketch comedy is you just i feel like if you would have seen our group uh you know seven years ago it, we were direct ripoffs of the things we liked, like uh, Mr. Show or the Ben Stiller Show. You could see where we were just aping entirely, and then over the course of seven years, like that influence stays in. But then you start uh, being figuring out your own thing a little. Well, that's you're paying the highest compliment. Like even comedian Rosie O'Donnell, she used to get on stage and completely rip off Jerry Seinfeld stuff, and it's. It, it, but she, I mean, she she turned everything into her own act. And now Rosie O'Donnell is one of the biggest names out there. So you guys just found your own niche. That's all that happened. So I just compared you to Rosie O'Donnell. And I, I don't know how you're going to take that. I, maybe the interview's over at this point. I don't know. No, we, uh, we, we, we constantly, constantly are dealing with that comparison everywhere we go. Mostly the way we look. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. One of the big questions that I have, I mean, I want to know who the birthday boys are. I mean, you have your fans. They see you guys on IFC every week. But, I mean, do they really know, you know, do they really get to know, like, who the birthday boys are? I want to know, like, deconstructed. The birthday boys, together, in my opinion, are, like, the best chicken salad sandwich that I could ever eat in my entire life. You're like a chicken sandwich that was created by Mario Batali and Bobby Flay who sat down with Demi Moore and like Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze style at the pottery wheel and made this beautiful sandwich that's fit for a king. But here on Pop Culture Leftovers, we want to know, we want to get to know who you are, what makes you tick. I, I want to deconstruct this chicken salad sandwich, get to know each individual ingredient in this culinary masterpiece of comedy. I want to get intimate details about the chopped chicken, the salary, the mayo, the romaine lettuce. So we're going to go all Barbara Walters with this one. Who are the birthday boys? Okay. Well, okay. I, I'd say aside from all the ingredients you listed, the essentials of a chicken salad sandwich, when I'm making one, you know, I throw like a little teaspoon of Dijon mustard in there for a little spice. That's why I'm in the group. I'm the Dijon mustard. And me? I'm celery. That's Jeff speaking. <laughs> me? I'm the plate. Oh, oh wow. Everybody's favorite part. Everyone's favorite part of lunch. <laughs> no, well, I mean, are you, if you're asking uh, what a kind of our individual are, I think, um, well, I could speak about Tim, who's standing across from me. He's uh, one of the most prolific writers in the group. He, he brings in, in probably, the world. probably the most <laughs> sketches of anybody in the group. And then I'm standing here, both Jeff and Chris are our directors, who, um, you know, when when we were making web videos, it was, everything we did was just, like, entirely in our house, so they would shoot them themselves and edit them. 
And now with a TV show, we have the luxury of them not having to be, be the editors and the DP and everything so they could focus more on directing. So that's I, I think our breakdown is we're kind of like a writer and two directors. And the other guys, Hanford and, and Mitch, are the goofball actor boys, I'd say. So they're the and ones. Dave, I would say, is the best host, the most charming, sort of the, uh, the Leonardo of the group. <laughs> right. Dave, Dave Ferguson is, if you need somebody to talk to the network, and not weird them out. <laughs> if you if you need somebody who looks like a human and can talk like a human, uh, that's when you call on Dave Ferguson. Oh, that's awesome, Brian Frank. Talk to me, baby. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys. Um, tell us something about yourselves that people may not know about you or the Birthday Boys. All right. Um, well, I think uh, an interesting thing is that Mitch's arm is bit was broken for the better part of shooting season two. You can see in um, you can see in a lot of the sketches that he's holding his left arm at a ninety degree angle because um, that thing was broken. <laughs> he, did a, he did a fall stunt by himself. Mitch does all of his own stunts, and in fact, everyone does because we can't afford a stunt man. Um, <laughs> He broke his arm only like two weeks into shooting, and then for continuity reasons, he couldn't get a cast on it because we shoot all of our sketches in little pieces during the course of the whole summer. And we had already started shooting like we'd shut the ends of some scenes or whatever, so we couldn't cover up his arm. So if you're watching throughout season two, it's just a dangling broken arm on Mitch, and uh, he just doesn't use his left left arm, and it's just sort of bent. It like it starts to heal in like a just like a a, a bent elbow, and uh, he is miserable. Yeah, I think you can see that stunt um, this Friday. Actually, that episode's going to air. Uh, it's at the, at the end of the first uh, sketch. He runs through a door and falls down. Yeah, you'll know when you see it. You you can't miss it. And that is the actual take when he broke his arm. Oh. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Great. That's awesome. So that's the actual – well, you know, I mean stars have to work around that kind of stuff all the time. Look at uh, – what was it? Shia LaBeouf. He uh, had the injury in uh, the Transformers movie, broke his hand, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, Harrison Ford. Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but let's be fair, guys. He took six yeah. to eight – he took six to eight weeks off. He, he was like, I'm done. I'm Harrison Ford. He's 70 years old though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll give him that. All You're right. his age. You can from that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, but I thought it was hilarious all the memes that were out there that were showing like uh, Harrison Ford's uh, you know leg when it was healthy, and they would circle the leg. It was hilarious. Um, a, a buddy of ours, uh, Jimmy from UCBLA, he runs the booth there. Um, he worked on Cowboys and Aliens. Oh yeah, and went out, oh, yeah. and went out for drinks on like it was either Harrison's birthday or somebody else's birthday, and he had to get Harrison home, and. Uh, I guess Harrison climbed the fence to get in his own apartment. Oh, yeah, the he front like, door was locked, and he climbed the back fence. <laughs> and wow. as he was, he said that as he was going up, getting a boost up over the like ten foot high wall, he goes, "I'm seventy years old." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's fantastic! Uh, hey guys, this is Frank. Uh, so, how were the birthday boys formed? We very uh, kind of slowly. There was never a moment where we stopped down and said, hey, let's be a sketch group, let's uh, get a TV show. But uh, but we were hanging out in the sewer one day, yeah. and then we looked up at the grate above and some green ooze <laughs> dropped on all of us. Yeah. And so we transformed from a group of friends to a sketch group. You never know when, it, when, it, when some green ooze hits you in a sewer, it could take you one of two directions. You could become 
uh, mutant ninjas, <laughs> or you might just become a, a sketch group at a small theater in Los Angeles. And uh, would you consider Bob Odenkirk your master splinter? Oh yeah, he also. I mean, he got to use. He was Bob was a very small, small little guy, and then the ooze made him big. <laughs> <laughs> It's good to see that you guys dodged the bullet and avoided uh, Michael Bay and Megan Fox, so good job. Yeah, yeah. Thank God we avoided Megan Fox. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in that, um, in the house that we all lived in we, uh, that we mentioned earlier, we were just uh, write sketches together, and we started doing this open mic sketch night on Friday nights at UCB called Not Too Shabby. And uh, so we did that for a while, and then we eventually got a monthly show um, that, uh, where we uh, made videos, we tested out sketches, a lot of which ended up in the TV show eventually. So, And then the, the Bob thing was a funny little situation where we were doing, we'd been doing a lot of live comedy in L.A., and then we got booked on a show, um, that just in a, in a show at the Groundlings Theater in L.A. where Bob was also in the lineup, and we, we weren't, like, working with Bob, but we were just sharing a bill with him. And um, he we did a sketch, and he, he liked it. And he came up to me backstage, uh, at, like, in the middle of the show, and was like, hey, I really liked that sketch you did. Uh, it was really funny. i, I got to say, if, if we had done it on Mr. Show, we might, probably would have taken it in a different direction. And I was like, oh, really, what direction was that? And just as he was about to tell me, some kind of person came and whisked them away because they needed him for the next sketch. So then I was like, oh, man, I never got to hear the end of that sentence. So then I tracked him down after the show, and I was like, hey, Bob, you were just about to tell me uh, what the difference between Mr. Show is and my group, and uh, I would really love to hear that. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. You're great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So then I told the guys about that, and then we had, like, many sleepless nights wondering about how, like, Bob was just about to uh, give us the greatest wisdom of all time. So we couldn't let it go. So I, I sent him like a fanboy email, just being like, "Bob, sorry to hound you, but I I, I want to, I really want to talk to you about what you thought about our sketch." And he was awesome. He invited us to his office, and we talked about our, that sketch, and then we talked about some of his sketches, and then we just very organically started writing together and meeting up weekly to just kick around ideas and doing live shows in L.A. So it wasn't. Uh, it never started as a TV pitch or anything. It was just sort of like wanting to talk about sketches together. Just collaborating on comedy. Right. Yeah. And that's Bob. I mean, he's he's in his 50s now, but he still, like, wakes up every day and just gets, like, what fun new sketch. And he goes out and watches new groups and really, like, cares about what the next step in sketch comedy is. That's great. Um, you don't see a lot of sketch comedy shows. I mean, you've got Inside Amy Schumer and Key and Peele, but, I mean... You know, after the, what is it, The Whitest Kids You Know, there wasn't really a lot of sketch comedy, and so it's refreshing uh, that uh, that you guys are doing this on IFC. It's awesome. Yeah, we, we're lucky to be around at this exact time, because there was a lull. When we, you know, 2005 or so, um, sketch comedy was, like, such a word that, like, no network executive wanted to hear. I mean... There, yeah, after, I guess, Whitest Kids, and then and there was Human Giant for a little while, but there was a couple years where you just could not ask for a sketch comedy show. So people, like, if any executive ever saw us live, they'd come backstage and be like, hey, you guys are really funny. You got any sitcom ideas? Or you guys are funny. You got any movie ideas? And we didn't. <laughs> we had yeah. no sitcom or movie ideas. There was a lot of years when we were pitching 
stuff where they would be like, okay, you can sort of do a sketch show, but you need a framing device. We heard the word framing device over and over again, so it'd be like, it can be sketches, but they all have to take place like in a in a, uh, an old folks' home, or they all have right. to be like in a specific yeah, place. Yeah, or it's like, it all takes place at a factory, and we're the factory workers, and the product we make is sketches. <laughs> yeah, but now it's great now that, you know, Kroll Show and Key and & Peele and all these shows are so successful that it seems like it's really coming back. Let's pave the way for you guys. And, well, Bob Odenkirk, I can't say that he hasn't helped you in any way, I'm sure. I mean, getting a pilot off the ground anymore, I mean, that's difficult in itself. But then, you know, having them order the series, that's another huge obstacle. I mean, was Bob Odenkirk like a huge help in, in that realm? Yeah, I mean, he, he he was an enormous, enormous part of it. A, a lot of a lot of sketch shows ha, ha, use that sort of tactic where, you know, you have, you have some young comedians that are kind of goofing around, but you need to prove to the network that there's, like, a veteran behind you. So Human Giant had uh, Tom Giannis, uh, and, and most sketch shows have some sort of off-screen uh, elder states person involved. <laughs> and I think that by having Bob in the room with us, it just gave us uh, some, you know, some street cred. Yeah, absolutely. Good guy to have around. Well, see, I, I love it because, I mean, yeah, he's he's still doing great stuff. And I see a lot of comedians, and I'm not going to name any names, but as they get older, they kind of lose, like, their passion. And I think, you know, having him in there and just seeing how passionate he is about, get, you know, getting, you know, this show off the ground, it's in a way, it's kind of like a second chance for him, too, with sketch comedy because, I mean... I watched one of the best shows ever, and it got an Emmy, and it was called The Ben Stiller Show, and Fox took it off the air after one season, and it was just it, – it, it, it was heart-wrenching for me because it was some of the best sketch comedy I've ever seen in my entire life. So it, it's awesome that he's injecting new life into sketch comedy and also helping you guys forge your careers in this. It's, it's, it's wonderful to hear that. Yeah, we, we uh, lucked out that, that we ever crossed paths with him. I, I think as much as we thought, like – Hey, we're the cool. We're doing good uh, as far as the LA live sketch comedy scene. Uh, you do need an enormous stroke of luck that you know a person like Bob sees you and champions you. No. We get another season. I I always want uh, Bob to bring back some of his old characters. Like I want him to do Manson or something like that. Oh, Manson was hilarious. The whole Lassie mashup. Manson was just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the Emmy winning episode actually. Well, if you guys should have had an Emmy-winning episode last season, it was going all the way. That was just, that was the episode, like, if my friends aren't watching the Birthday Boys, that's the episode that I tell them to watch. Going all the way was just, it had me in stitches. Great, well, that, that's, the, that's the one that we like best. When we, when we uh, ever talk about season one or, or, like, things that we did right that we wanted to continue to do more of in season two, it's definitely episode nine, uh, yeah, going all the way, and uh, it's it goes off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, it was a pretty bonkers one, but and it may not have won an Emmy award, but we do want to point out that our show is Emmy eligible. Oh, amazing! Awesome. We have another uh, episode in season two that kind of continues the themes of going all the way. It's called Love Hate Hump. And it uh, it continues with the whole kind of dating, love, sex type of thing. So check it out. Oh, yeah. Definitely going to be watching that. You guys are on IFC. That is so exciting. I love the moves that IFC has been making over the years. And I'm not going to name any other names of any other networks. But, like, 
you know, when other networks, in my opinion, are like playing it safe with their programming and not really thinking outside of the box, IFC is doing some really great original programming. Portlandia, Garfunkel and Oates. And then they put your show, The Birthday Boys, in the same comedy hour with Comedy Bang Bang with Scott Aukerman. And it's just a great hour of comedy. Uh, so I have to applaud IFC for some of the moves that they're making over there on that network. Yeah, it's really cool. They've, they've been great to us, and we do feel like we're in great company with those other shows. Um, I, I actually write for Comedy Bang Bang, and Mike Hanford and Dave Ferguson from our group do, too. So it's it's for us, every Friday night when our show airs, uh, the whole Birthday Boys crew and the Comedy Bang Bang crew gets together at a bar in L.A. and watches both shows, and there's so much overlap, because those are both... Uh, absolutely uh, produces Bang Bang as well. So, you know, we have a, a lot of the same production assistants, all, uh, script supervisors, almost everybody uh, does uh, both of those shows. That's yeah, and the whole absolutely family, it's, it's cliche to call a company a family, but it's really a lot of amazing people. I mean, it's a lot of really young people that love comedy that are just working long hours, busting their asses, um, just for the love of the craft. It's a really cool place to work. That's great, because you hear nightmares, and, you know, I listen to other podcasts, and I listen to other, like, celebrities and things like that, talking about their shows, and, you know, how they go, they, they sometimes go to battle with the network, and it sounds like uh, IFC's done a really great job at just letting you guys put your vision out there, so that's awesome. Yeah, I think we've never battled, every, any battle we, we had with them, with them helping us work around a censorship issue. You know, if, if we had too much nudity in a show or something, it would be like, we think this scene's really funny and it would, we could televise it if you do this or that and we're always pushing in the same direction. We never clashed with them. Like what you can show, what kind of butts you can show. You can show a butt if it's not in a sexual context and we have so many of these discussions. There's an episode coming up where Tim uh, hurts his dick and his dick is in the dick cast and we probably had to make about 15 protests types of this cast to show to the sense use what we could show they would send us back these emails like uh, definition on the balls is there's two you can see the balls too well they have to be <laughs> We have every day. So there, there's a there's a guy that was that's that that works in the production and he was the dis the dick cast developer. That was he his. Looked at, he looks at all the shows, different dick, all the different shows, dick cast all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that was great. I actually have pictures. It, it was our our prop master uh, Vicky Chan, who she's like a real uh, genius uh, prop master who can build anything. And she ha she was at her workshop, and I was in the writers' room. So she would make a new dick cast, put it on take a picture of herself wearing it and email it to me, and I would take pictures. So I have 30 pictures of her wearing these different dick casts. Like, uh, I'm tall and Vicky's short, so then we'd also have to, like, it was throwing the scale off, so it was, sometimes it looked too big on her, and I would be concerned, and I'd make her make it smaller. It was a whole ordeal. I can just, I can just see her like talking to like uh, I don't know. Her mother calls her on the phone. Oh, how was your day? Oh, I just got groceries, and then I got this whole dick cast thing I got to take care of. And <laughs> uh, yeah, think, things are going great in Hollywood. Working on the new dick cast. <laughs> Uh, actually, we do a separate podcast called Dick Cast. So, okay. oh. yeah, yeah, Dick Casting is really getting big these days. <laughs> it really is. It's huge. It's just you have to have a mic with a really, really long uh, attachment so you can have it down in that direction. So, yeah. 
It's a technical issue, but it's great that you guys can overcome it. Yeah, but the mic the entire time I'm doing the dick cast, I don't know, it makes me, it gives me penis envy, so I'm, I think I'm going to end the show. <laughs> yeah, it's intimidating. It is intimidating. <laughs> um, last season, uh, like I said, my favorite episode was going all the way. Um, tell us about season two. What can we expect from season two of The Birthday Boys? Um, we're really excited. I mean, we feel like this uh, season... It, we like can't wait for the world to see it because we kind of took took that the vibe of uh, the later episodes of last season and just went went one step further where there's um, the episodes are very whole and they're they're very uh, conceptual. All the pieces fit together kind of more in a way that we like. It makes them feel each one is a distinct little movie. And then the kind of the most noticeable thing is we brought in a lot of different guest stars. Um, People, uh, Bob's still around, but we also brought in other Odenkirk-esque uh, heroes of ours. So we got Jack Black, Chris Elliott, Tim and Eric, Dana Carvey, um, Casey Wilson, June Raphael, lots of great comedians stopping in. And that was just like a fun, uh, a fun thing for us to write to. So you were writing for them. Yeah, we, we sort of, like, we never started with, with a name and then said, oh, what would be good for this person? But it would sort of be like we'd bring in sketches, and if there was a role that felt good for an outside person and shouldn't just be a birthday boy, then we'd start thinking about who could possibly play it. And, you know, in the case of the premiere episode with Dana Carvey, he's just so, so he plays a fashion designer, like a Ralph Lauren type guy. So that was really exciting for us to think of. We've seen Dana Carvey do, you know, a Hugh Grant impression or a Lauren Michaels impression. And you can sort of uh, write to that a little bit. Oh, he's a he's a legend. Yeah, I, I watched that episode and it was absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, he's a legend. You guys are working with some really big names this year. Now, is that because of you know Bob Odenkirk? Is he in more of a limited capacity this season because he's doing the uh, Breaking Bad spinoff? Let's uh, uh, better call better Saul. call Saul. Yeah, better call Saul is going on right now. Yeah, I think he just finished shooting a, a couple days ago. So he wrote with us. And then he's been uh, helping us in the post-process. Shooting, he wasn't as available. So he is in the show. We shot a bunch of sketches right before he left for Albuquerque. But then he, there was like uh, a few months there where he was just in Better Call Saul mode working, you know, 20-hour days. Um, so, so he's in the series, and then we kind of just speckled these other people throughout. Okay. So how is it working with, like, you know, Jack Black, who, who was also, like, one of his uh... – uh, co-stars there on the uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David. Uh, he's really cool. Um, he's in a, in an episode. Uh, he's in episode four, uh, where he plays a version of himself. Uh, he he sort of is Jack Black, but he's playing sort of the Dave Seville character in a in a in a chipmunk sort of Smurfs like reboot. Uh, it's sort of a, an episode tackling the uh, the reboot phenomenon, um, and we we work out all our issues regarding Star Wars and the Muppets uh, through this sketch called the Schwarvels. Oh, I can't wait and, for uh, that! Jack was the coolest. Like to play a version of himself, uh, you, you know, like he, he really kind of like didn't shy away from that. He loved that aspect of it, and he was the coolest to work with. I, I was telling these guys that between takes, I saw him just walking around, and he was singing Led Zeppelin's Black Dog to him, drumming on his chest between takes. And I was like, if I were to do an impression of Jack Black, it would be that. That's really what he's like. <laughs> That's awesome. That's one of the things I love about the sketches is that they're all so relevant. And when they start, you don't know where they're going, but like the uh, the sketch with the hot wings, that was one of my favorites. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. 
That was uh, that's the thing Hanford's been doing at chicken wing restaurants for years. <laughs> right, right, because nobody's got just a hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah our, our local bar that we go to all the time, they're they're above hot. They have suicide, and they're very proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that the the show is just. Uh, there's not a lot on the show that I cannot see just how brilliant some of the writing is. And it, and it really is. And I, I'm sure you guys downplayed a little bit, but I mean, there's a little bit of Monty Python in it. There's a little bit of, you know, like uh, Mr. Show. It, it's amazing. And just to see new sketch comedy out there that people can like latch onto. It, it's exciting. I love it. Thanks. We're, we're really glad you like it. I mean, we worked uh, really hard this year and then, you know, those shows are always sort of in the back of our mind because that's what we watched uh, growing up. So then, this year, when you're kind of pushing yourself to do new stuff, we just we kind of got more collaborative with the writing. We'd bring in l- l- kind of loose ideas and let the room follow the laugh. So I felt like um, this season was a little bit of a, of a new direction for us, and uh, we really like feel great about it and can't wait for you to see it. Oh, we can't wait to see it. Now, you, you work with a lot of people this year, like you said. Um, Chris Elliott won. Amazing. I love Chris Elliott. Huge fan. How is, he, how is, he, how is Chris Elliott like on set? Uh, he was great. He um he showed up and he sort of like knew our names and stuff. That was that was the coolest thing. When they show up and know your name, that's like uh, pretty. It's pretty awesome. There's a lot of us. We're not used to being uh, recognized by name. And, uh, but he was uh he was great. There was a lot to do with him too. So he was really um he was uh you know uh, jokey and fun for like uh, you know six or eight hours. Yeah, he was a guy that. Um some of the, some of our guest stars we had a connection to, or they, like we knew they'd be in town, and they were sort of <clears throat> um, like it, it was uh, not just old fashioned booking process. But but with Chris Elliott, we really did. We hadn't met him. We we're just big fans. Like we love all those the old character bits he used to do on Letterman in the eighties. Oh. Like some of our things and and get a life and you know even all the way up to Eagleheart. So he's, he still has like this awesome comedy career, but. Um, we reached out to him. He knew the show. He thought it sounded funny. So he actually flew out from Connecticut just to do our show, stop for a whole day. And he really wanted to, like, we were having a blast and goofing around, but he would, you know, check in with us and be like, you guys getting with you, uh, what you need? Is this uh, any adjustments you want me to make? Let me know. He was, like, a great sport and a real actor who wanted to give us what we wanted. Yeah, I kind of felt like all the stars had that in common. You know, they, you sort of, sometimes you have this impression of stars so cool they don't give a shit they just show up and do their thing and leave but like everyone we worked with was really involved and really wanted to get it right and really wanted it to be funny and i think that's the kind of like characteristic that makes them stars is they they really want to do it well that's awesome that's great i love hearing this about these people that i look up to chris elliott i was a huge fan of get a life and all of his stuff growing up like the letterman stuff too so it's awesome to hear that these are great people now who would you love to work with? I'll give you another, another great one. Was uh, We had Fred Willard on the show, and oh. he was an absolute uh, – he was such a pro. Guys, I grew up watching Fernwood tonight. He is amazing. Uh, I, I didn't want to ask him uh, – you know, we, we were having a good time goofing around doing the scene, and I didn't want to be like a fanboy, but I eventually halfway through the day let a Fernwood tonight thing slip, and then he opened up and we talked all about it. And he looks back so fondly on that show. He, he knew it was sort of a, a, a risky, cool comedy show. And uh, he, he loves that he, like, got to do that. It's such a cool uh, cool show that was way ahead of its time. I mean, Comedy, comedy Bang Bang is very similar to uh, Fernwood Tonight. And Scott Ackerman has, has talked to uh, Norman Lear about it, and, and Norman Lear loves Bang Bang. And that's, 
they've had Willard on uh, Bang Bang as well, and like they really uh, they really like that modern comedy writers still know about that show. Oh yeah, that's like it's like one of those uh, shows from like my childhood that I always like reminisce about, and I I still think that it should be shown on Comedy Central like late at night or something. It's it's that good. Yeah, I found some episodes on YouTube, and it really holds up. That's awesome. So, who would you love to work with in the future? You know, you got to work with a lot of great talent this year. Like, who would you love to work with in the future? Is there any comedians out there, or even like a uh, I don't know anybody in the business that you'd be wanting to work with. Um, well, we did go out to Meryl Streep this year, <laughs> uh, and we got a very polite pass uh, from Meryl Streep, but we had a thing we were excited for for her. But within the comedy world, um, I really want to work with Dan Aykroyd. We got really excited about some Dan Aykroyd material we were writing, and then uh, turns out Dan Aykroyd is traveling the world and going to the House of Blues and selling his uh, Crystal Skull vodka and working mm-hmm. on Ghostbusters 3 and all this stuff that keeps yeah. him from doing our show. And trying to find aliens. <laughs> yeah. I always want to work with uh, David Cross. I would love to do a, a David and Bob reunion and do a little Mr. Joe reunion. That, that, would, that, would be so that would be the way to do it. That would be the way to do it. Like, you know, uh, Larry David had this whole Seinfeld cast on for that, uh, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm to do a Mr. Show reunion on your show would just be phenomenal. Yeah, we got to do it. Totally. Season three. That's season got. Five. It's got. Uh, season, so are you? Are you? Are you guys? Are you guys calling a season three already? Are you Babe Ruth? Are you putting the finger out there? Are you saying season three? It's going to happen. I, I would say we're not just calling it. Season three will win an Emmy. All right. All right. Absolutely awesome. You heard it here I mean, first. <laughs> of television to win an academy award (laughs) guys thank you so much for meeting with us today we had a blast talking with you and uh we wish you the best in your careers thank you brian thank you frank this was really fun same to you guys all right guys thanks Thanks a lot thanks for listening to pop culture leftovers congratulations i don't know how you did it i couldn't do it you people need a t-shirt saying i just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool. 
cool kids. What's to say's already been said. I'm still pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.